Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to $1,000 off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. This is Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter, and this is episode 1311 of No BS Jobs or Device Radio, and welcome. And I'm continuing what I started doing yesterday, which is sharing with you some of the old long-form interviews that I did for Job Search Radio when it originally launched. Job Search Radio is the number two podcast in Apple Podcasts about job hunting. No BS Job Search Advice is number one. This one has more episodes than any other show in Apple Podcasts by far. Job Search Radio launched about five years ago. Uh, It's begun its sixth year. Uh, No reason to subscribe. Generally, what I'm doing with it now is for those people who've subscribed to No BS, I'm replicating this show a week later. And Today's show comes from an interview that I did with Ellis Chase about five years ago, uh, where we talked about from shock to action, what to do to get going after the layoff occurs. Hope you find it helpful. Hope you give it a great review in Apple Podcasts. And it's about a 30-minute interview. And with that, let's get going. Hi, I'm Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter. And welcome to Job Search Radio on webtalkradio.net. You know, a lot of people kind of get glamorized or glamorize the search process when it involves LinkedIn. But you know, statistically, only a certain number of people will ever find a job through LinkedIn. I'm not saying it's unimportant. Frankly, I, I think it's one of the most important tools out there. But I want to ensure that we cover a lot of the good basics for developing a plan once that magic moment comes when you might have been laid off or decide to, to look for a job. So that's why I've invited Ellis Chase in to speak with us today. Ellis is one of Manhattan, and that's Manhattan, New York, not Manhattan, Kansas, He's one of Manhattan's top career management consultants and executive coaches. He's worked with individuals and groups across a broad spectrum of industries and has also been a consultant at Columbia Business School for more than 11 years. He's done workshops and presentations and speaking engagements that have taken him around the United States and Europe and is the author of In Search of the Fun Forever Job, which offers a real-life approach to job hunting in life with today's in line with today's economic realities. Ellis, welcome to Job Search Radio. Great to have you on. Jeff, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let's paint a scenario for you. You walk into your office one day, and someone walks over to you and says those magic words, can we see you in the conference room for a few minutes? And and you walk in there, and there's HR, there's your manager, maybe there's an outplacement representative there, and you hear those words that you can never really quote accurately, but they translate into you're being let go. You're being fired from your job after however long you've been there. Where do you start? How do you get going after that? 
first thing you do is you have to grab control of the emotional aspect and not ask any reasons. Just listen. Just sit there and listen. Take it in and try and get that rationality thing going. The, you know, be the logical self, not the emotional stuff, even though this is probably a devastating event, even if you were expecting it, even if you were not expecting it, it's devastating. So first, even keel. Then we have some more steps. Want to hear them, Jeff? Absolutely. And I know it's really hard for folks to do that because, you know, so, so many of us, uh, invest so much time and effort into our careers to suddenly be told that you're not needed or wanted anymore is hard. Um, but I well, hear you logic do it. Out. Well, I want to logic it out. First of all, you've got to understand that since the 80s, the average length of job is three and a half years anyway, so this whole lifetime employment thing is an ancient paradigm. So let's get over it you know, and accept the fact that you're probably going to lose your job at least three times in your career, at least three times. So maybe this is the second time. It means, hey, I only have one more. <laughs> but you have – go ahead. I'm just enjoying that remark about, you know, you lost your job. Maybe this is the second time you only have one more. It's a fun way to think of it. Well, except for the people who have said it, said to me, uh, well, it's happened three more times. Does this mean I have complete immunity from now on? I say, well, it doesn't quite work that way. But that is the stat. And so this whole idea of losing your job as being some kind of a judgment about you, it usually isn't anymore. It may have been 30 or 40 years ago. Now it just means something about an economic reality or something about displacement. I hear you, and I know how often this happens to folks. So now you sit there logically, and you're trying to hear what they tell you. What do you do next, or what happens next? Second thing is they're going to probably, if it's a, if it's a large organization and there's an HR person there, they're going to try and get you to sign something. And this, this is one of the biggest mistakes people make because there's always the implication that when somebody is saying, sign this, there's always a little hint of, if you don't, you're not going to get the severance we promised you, or we're not going to get this outplacement we promised you, or the COBRA, or the benefits, or any of the other stuff, or you can't keep your phone, or sign it, sign it, sign it. And my big advice is, don't sign it. You treat it like a salary negotiation. Even though it's a different position of power, it's still roughly the same notion, which is you listen, and then you ask for a few days to think it over because you're going to have some questions and you want to clarify. It's really interesting, Ellis, because I know most people, again, maybe that it's because they're you know, shocked at that particular moment. And as an earlier guest, Damien Burkle, said on his show, um, he, he described himself as really being in shock at that moment. So folks have that tendency to kind of cave in when they're told to be the good boy or be the, big, uh, the good girl and sign instead of just taking a deep breath and say, let me review this and I'll get back to you. Yeah, and then we'll, you know, and then I'll have a few questions and I know there'll be some details about the benefits, about how I'm going to say goodbye, what's going to be said inside the company, what's going to be said externally if I get reference checks later on, all sorts of issues. I have a whole checklist of them. 
And you, you, you can't, it's like a salary negotiation. You can't just negotiate, negotiate at the point of offer. You have to think it out and develop a strategy. Interesting. Do you want to talk about that strategy? Okay, the strategy is this. There's, there's a whole checklist of items that you do want to talk about, um, and I'll mention a few of them right now. Uh, it's, it's a pretty long list, but you want, to, you want to get them checked off when you go back. So you say, mm -hmm. can we set up a meeting two or three days from now? I've had a chance to absorb this and absorb, you know, really think things through. And obviously, one of the issues that you're going to talk about is severance. And you're going to have to do a little research on what is standard reference. I mean, there are certain guidelines out there. There is literature out there. You can Google it. You can find it. What is traditional for what size organization, how many weeks a year, what is standard. So that's, that's point one. Point two is what is going to be said internally. You would like to have a little bit of control over that, even if it was that you and your boss hated each other's guts. You still want to say, you don't want to say he's leaving for new challenges, which is terrible. It's like saying, oh, a horrible way to express it. Awful. Uh, what you want is that has decided to move into an area that he's been planning for quite some time. You know, something that is by design. He has decided to leave because. So it's something affirmative like that. Then, how much assistance are they going to give? Is there going to be any kind of help for, let's say, outplacement? And what kind of outplacement? If it's going to be from one of the big three outplacement firms, you want to say to them, I'd prefer not to. This is my opinion. I come from one of them. Um, I, I think that you may want to get some individual assistance, which will be cheaper for the company and get you more one-on-one. -on -one. So that's something to negotiate. Get this one. You're ready for one of the strangest ones of all? The phone. I'd love to hear it. The phone. Think about it. Do you want your number at the organization to be answered by somebody else? Let's say a temp who doesn't know who you are, and they'll say, we, I don't know who this person is, and you get a phone call. You don't want – so you negotiate. You can say, can I have phone calls forwarded to my cell? Or can we turn that phone off, or can it just go into voicemail where somebody there checks in case it's a business thing, or if it's personal for me, it gets forwarded to me. What are we going to do about the phone? Nobody thinks about those little details. What about and Cobra? Just so, and, yeah. and there's just so many details to, to think about at that moment. I can see why you want to have people come back in a few days after they've had a chance to get grounded and have the shock wear off to be able to deal with all this stuff. Yep. So it's that again. It's it's like a salary negotiation. It's the same general idea. Again, you're not in power, obviously, but you're not going to sign anything. They want you to sign something. They're afraid of lawsuits, which of course is not usually the route you're going to go in. Uh, you you want to stay away from that. And you basically, unless there's real grounds, unless there's something awful that happened. But you basically want to tie up every single little detail. How about this one? Non-disparagement. You would like to sign as part of an agreement that there will be a mutual non-disparagement. They won't say anything negative about you internally or externally, 
and you won't say anything negative about them to anybody. That's a good one. Yeah. And an important one. Um, and with the non-disparagement, you know, as someone who is asked often to check references by my clients at the time of an offer, I know it's not good enough for them to say, well, it's our company policy not to say anything. Are you, is someone able to negotiate what is said about you at those times? Yes. Yes, because you know, because you've been on the other side of this, and I've also been on the other side of this. You've been on every side of this, Ellis. <laughs> I, I have. We, we both have. So the idea is that you know that the company is reluctant to give out anything. It's not quite illegal, but it's still they're very reluctant to give out anything except dates of employment. So you have to sign an, an agreement as to what is set. So – during the actual negotiation for the termination, the separation, you want to establish what is going to be said via human resources or via your manager should anybody call. And that's like putting them on notice, like, watch out, I'll hear. And you want to be careful. Uh, you know, some of us will go to all sorts of lengths to find out what will be said, but you want to cover this as much as you can. You cannot protect yourself from a lot of backdoor investigation. I'm warning everybody about that. And, and I know that's the case because I know when I do secondary or, or tertiary sourcing to do reference checks, I'm always able to uncover something. But at least through official channels, that can get blockaded. Yep. So you want to at least help or at least propose language that you all agree into. We, uh, I, I used to call it the rationale. How do I explain it? But now as we sort of move out of the settling of all of the terms of how we're going to leave and what the dates are and all the rest of that stuff and when's your COBRA and what's the severance and all the things that you want to negotiate, now we move into what am I going to tell the rest of the world? Also a rationale. How am I going to explain my departure, and what do I do to get going? How do I get rolling in, uh, in this next phase of my career? So there are a couple of don'ts here. <laughs> One of them is you're not going to bitch and moan. You're not going to complain. You're not going to trash anybody. You're not going to be miserable. You're not going to scream. You're not going to yell. You're not going to do anything of the sort. You save that for your significant other if you have one. Or a friend. That's it. Nobody else. Because right I'm now, laughing here because I can't tell you the number of uh, job applicants who I wind up being that call to. And I have to politely say, you know, I don't care. <laughs> and if you do this on yeah. an interview, they will never care again because you're never going to get hired. Well, not only that, that's their brand. This is not mm -hmm. the brand that you want out there. The brand you want out there is what you can do, not what you can't do or how you screwed up or the company screwed up. You end up being perceived as the malcontent, and that's the last perception you want out there. So calm down. No screaming. No calling everybody that you know, asking for leads and jobs, and no, i got to get my resume together right now. No, 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 no. Stop. Take a couple of days off. And get yourself grounded and first focus on the terms and conditions for your severance, 
relax a little bit, and then move on is what it sounds like you're right. saying. That's exactly right. That's it, it, The idea is this is a strategy, just like the strategy was for settling the severance situation and settling the termination itself, and you want to walk out getting as much as you possibly can out of the situation. It's the same thing here. You want a strategy. So you don't call everybody. <laughs> you don't go around screaming and yelling. You don't complain to people. You don't start writing resumes right away. You don't start your search right away. Now the question is, what do you do after you take off some time to decompress? And, and before we do that, I just want to check the timeline that you're thinking of sure. for most people. And I know there's going to be exceptions. So let's assume it's a Friday uh, that you get fired, and you take a few days off, and it's Wednesday that you walk back in there and negotiate all your terms and conditions. And I know that's the optimum situation, but you know because they're going to have to work out some details on their side before they concede any points. Right. Um, when do you think after that Wednesday meeting, um, someone can start getting out there and get getting going again? Well, to me, there's a, there, there are a couple of pre-stages of that. Notice I'm, I'm wanting to, people to move slowly. Yeah. And one of the pre-stages is for many people is this understanding that this is like the stages of grief, you know, that you've heard about that after a death. Well, this is kind of like a death. So there's going to be apathy. There's going to be anger. Oh, there's going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be grief, there's going to be depression, and you're going to be riding a roller coaster. So that's the first thing. You understand, I'm going to be on the roller coaster. No matter what, no matter how tough I am, no matter how even I am, I'm going to be there. It's normal. It's typical. Okay, so that's part one. Part two, what do I want to do next? So most people will say, i got to get my resume. i got to get my resume. And I'm going, you can't write a resume. A resume is a marketing document. You, what is it marketing you to? So what's plan A? What's plan B? What's plan C? So we can start creating some high statistical probabilities for success. That's how it starts. Interesting, because I know when I talk to, to job applicants who are looking for a position, they seem to only have a plan A until I start probing them further um, and kind of push them into alternatives and flexibility and choices. And what I'm hearing you say loud and clear is this is homework that they should have been doing before they met with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's got, You know, the plan A problem, I could give you – 50 examples of where that goes wrong, but I love using 2008 as the absolute paradigm of where Plan A goes wrong. So in For those of you who are outside of the United States, 2008 is the symbol of when the financial markets in the United States collapsed. I know in other parts of the world there was a slow buildup that eventually hit 2009-2010 uh, right. for your collapses. Please continue, so, so, but say in 2008 or 2009, actually, is when it really hit hard, uh, when the recession was the second worst since the Great Depression of the 1930s. I had a ton of people, um, investment bankers, for example, who came to me because two major investment banks in New York City closed, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers. 
that meant enormous job losses. So these investment bankers who had been very highly compensated and had been very successful and had worked extremely hard would come in with their plan A. I want to be an investment banker in another bank. And I said, you and 10,000 other people and no jobs, none, zero, zilch, at least in 2009. Things started getting a little better in 2010. And in 2013, not so great. There's a, it's a shrunken sector. So that's where plan B comes in. I don't say, I will never say to somebody, don't give up your passion. Don't give up your number one plan A objective. But there's got to be a B so, us, so we can create numbers. And I push people hard for a C so that we have a high statistical probability for success. I'm like a broken record on that phrase. And I do a variation on it with uh, the plan A choices where guys tell me that they really want to stick with their first choice. Um, I'll, I'll ask them, so um, how long can you afford to be out of work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if they say two years, well, they can afford to do that, even though for most of them, if it goes past six to nine months, they'll never get back into their career. But normally the shock of having to think of the financials is enough to really push them into the plan B and the plan C. Has to be, has to be. Uh, think, you said, you know, two, if somebody says two years, uh, what if that person is a foreign exchange um, trader? Is that person going to land in two years? Probably never. not because it's a field that's disappearing. Uh, or derivatives trading. I'm, I'm, n- I'm naming financial stuff because it's a perfect paradigm uh, for why there needs to be a plan B and a plan C. But I can go through. Oh, I can go through the music industry. I can go through real estate, especially because that was just as affected in 2008, 2009. Where's the B? Where's the C? What else can I do? And how do I find out if there's a market for me there? And then we get into the next phase of doing this smart. And the next phase is? I have to prove that, number one, is there a market for me? Two, am I feasible for this market? Three, do I need any additional skills to bridge myself into the market? Four, do I like it? <laughs> do I like the people I'm meeting? <laughs> do I like the organizations? So you have to – this is like putting career transition completely in reverse of what most people have done in their lives, which is to sort of figure out an idea like, hey, that sounds cool, and then go after it rather than doing what I always call a heavy due diligence to really find out if these options are reasonable. Is this where, once you've identified this, informational interviewing comes into play? Yes. That's part of it. Regular, plain old research, you know, using your Fectiva, your S&P, your D&B, using your Bloomberg if you have access to it, reading, reading the trade journals, and then building the informational networking, and then finding out. And by the way, you've got to watch out for one thing in that informational networking deal. Beware of one person who is negative. The first one you meet is really negative. Oh, there are no jobs there. Ah, that's just lazy and stupid. Uh, you, you need a critical mass 
of people, you need five or six to actually agree about a trend before you come to a conclusion. That's why this is a lot of heavy lifting. And I want to back up for a second because you mentioned a number of different sources where people could do their own research. And one, I know the first one that you mentioned, they may not know, which is Factiva. I believe that's F-A-C-T-I-V-A. Uh, right. So I just want to make sure you folks know how to find it and have it spelled correctly. The, the, one of the great resources that anybody anywhere can find is get to a business library or sneak into a business school library. Uh, if you live in New York City, there are a couple of great plain old business libraries like Sybil, the Science Industry Business Library. I know of places in other parts of the country and other parts of the world that have business libraries, and they're all going to have Factiva. They're going to have something called ABI inform. They're going to have Nexus Lexus. I mentioned these three because I love media databases. This is media research. You know how you go into some databases like Hoover's or Standard & Poor or Dun & Bradstreet and you get these 10K reports about companies which are useful. But when you go into a Factiva, you find out what all the other media have been saying about the organization that you're researching. So it's not what somebody writes about themselves on their own website. It's what everybody else has been writing. And it's a great it's way fabulous to find out about a company. Yeah. And it sounds like Factiva is a great research tool before the first interview, uh, so that yes. this way you have a lot of compiled information from different sources uh, available to you and not just simply Googling it. Yep. La last, oh, God, years ago, Jeff, way back in the day, I had a, um, a client who got a job at a brokerage that no longer exists called Kidder Peabody. And you are dating yourself with that one. Yeah, I sure am. <laughs> hey, you were you were dealing with them too. Of course. <laughs> Don't put me on that hook. Uh, Kidder, this guy got this great job, and I said to him, "Didn't haven't you been doing your research on Kidder Peabody? Did you know that they were a prime target for General Electric acquisition?" And he said, "Yes, yeah, so a big deal." And I said, well, big deal is you better ask them about it when they make an offer because you all you know about last in, first out. Everybody knows that, especially when there's an acquisition. And he said, oh, that's ridiculous. They love me. They're going to make me an offer. They make them an offer. GE makes the acquisition. And in two weeks, he was out of a job because he didn't do his research. He didn't find out what was going on in the market. That's one of the major pieces of a due diligence. And I'll add in one other thing he didn't do. And it's a lesson I think many people have learned, but maybe they haven't codified the language as clearly as I'm about to. As much as your boss tells you how important you are and how special you are, unfortunately, folks, you're not. No. Your boss has no way of guaranteeing that your job is safe because his or her job may be no safer, and their pipeline of information, unless they're at the very highest levels of that firm, is coming through so many different filters of other people who are trying to placate everyone along the way. By the time it gets to you, you're getting disinformation, not information. 
Which sort of brings us full circle to where we started, which is the culture has changed in the last 30, 35 years, which is there is no such thing as lifetime employment. And in order to be smart about your career and deal with the topic we've been talking about today, which is unexpected job loss, what you need to be doing is always thinking about how am I keeping my network in shape? How am I keeping my relationships in shape? Because I'm going to be moving sooner or later, and I've got to be prepared. And I've got to be thinking about Plan B and Plan C at all times. Because who knows, the technology of my specific field may be going out of style soon. And that was a subject that was part of my interview with David Perry recently, where yeah. you know we both agreed that you know people always have to put themselves in the position to be found and not just simply wait until the calamity strikes from which they need to respond um, mm -hmm. in order to take action. People get ahead by being alert to opportunities. Sometimes they're internal, sometimes they're external, but more often than not, they're going to be external to your firm. And you always need to be doing this campaign of continually promoting yourself in order to be found. And if it gets to the point where you, know, you need to find something because you've lost your job, Ellis, I think you've given folks some great information about how to get through that initial meeting uh, where you're laid off, the steps to take along the way, which I'm going to recap a couple of them pretty quickly for, for everyone. Sure. Uh, and, and that is, number one, you know, try and get back to your logical head instead of being in the emotional shock. Set up a meeting in a few days to go over some of your questions and sign nothing at the time that they're letting you go. Um, you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster and try and maintain an even keel and take no major actions until you're able to stabilize yourself. And then you've spoken about you know, a couple of different items for shifting for plan A, B, and C, including understanding what you want to do, what else you'd like to do, uh, whether you have the skills needed to do it, and if not, um, what skills you need to get in order to be able to do it. Have I kind of summarized a lot of the conversation well? That was about perfect. I... <laughs> <laughs> what did you need me for? That was great. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a paraphrase of what you've been talking about, Ellis. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. That was great. You're welcome. Um, I want to talk with you a little bit about your book, uh, Fun, In Search of the Fun Forever Job. What does that really cover, and, and where can people get a copy? Okay. In Search of the Fun Forever Job, Career Strategies That Work. Uh, don't be put off by the title. <laughs> it's, it's ironic. Uh, the real point is there is no such thing as the fun forever job, although we are striving for a great deal of gratification out of our work. So it's about strategy, it's about soup to nuts, like starting, executing, working towards those targets, negotiating, and a few little pithy notes along the way. It's very, very quick. It's available Amazon, Kindle, Nook, iTunes, Sony, the usual places, uh, in print and in ebook. In search of the fun forever jobs, career strategies that work by Ellis Chase.
So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few ways to get even more from me. First of all, visit my website, www.thebiggamehunter.us. I have several thousand blog posts there that you can watch, listen to, or read to help you find your next job. If you want the best of my advice, join JobSearchCoachingHQ.com, where I've curated my information with a focus on interviewing. If you have a few questions, contact me through the Magnify app for iOS. That's Magnify with an I at the end, or PrestoExperts.com, where you can call me. Schedule a specific time with me through chat on Magnify or by connecting with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. Once we're connected on LinkedIn, you can message me about coaching you, speaking with me about a resume or LinkedIn profile critique, help with a salary negotiation, my trusted advisor services, as well as scheduling me through for Magnify or for PrestoExperts.com. Like you, I don't work for free. You can also take my classes on Skillshare and become a premium member using the link in the show notes and receive two months for free instead of just the one that the site offers. Skillshare offers thousands of courses, not just simply mine. It is a great resource in a variety of different areas. Subscribe to my other podcast, which is called Job Search Radio. This one is number one in Apple Podcasts. Job Search Radio is number two. Subscribe to both. You will get great information seven days a week from this show, six days a week from the other. Lastly, I want to encourage you to join my group on Facebook called Career Angles. It's free to the first 500 people who join and is focused on helping you do better at work. Information is shared daily and we're building a supportive group there to provide advice and counsel during difficult times. Again, the group on Facebook is called Career Angles. I'll be back tomorrow with more. In the meantime, have a great day. Be great. ready to ride metro we want you to know we're ready for you here are just a few of the people at metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe we're cleaning like never before for hospital grade cleaning you'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the metro no mask no metro need one we have a few extras at metro we're doing our part to keep the dc area moving find out more at wmata.com doing our part Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.